Hey everyone, Joey here, and uh, you'll hear the uh, podcast in a moment, but I just wanted to chime in quickly as I'm uh, speaking to you. I'm recording this on Wednesday night, January 6th. You'll hear the podcast tomorrow or today for you guys, January 7th. And uh, we recorded the episode on Sunday, and it's, you know, our fun, normal nonsense. We talk a lot about 2021 films, but obviously it happened before the chaos on Capitol Hill uh, today as I'm recording this yesterday as you're hearing it. So I just wanted to make sure you guys know that we're not ignoring that. We uh, obviously recorded this beforehand, and uh, and this is this is insane. This is, uh, as, I, as I tweeted out, I'm, I'm angry and I'm sad, but I'm also not surprised and that's maybe the worst part that uh that the deluded followers of donald trump and i specifically mean deluded because these people believe in a, in a conspiracy and, and a phony election you know can can walk into capitol hill and essentially attempt to overthrow the government and and not be arrested and, and to be allowed to go about their business essentially is is insane so um, unfortunately, this is America, and we have a double standard because I recall a protest and march that the president had a very different response to and uh, would have loved to have thrown in jail. So uh, before I get any angrier, I'm just going to turn us over to the episode, but I wanted to make sure this was addressed, and it sort of goes without saying that we should be better than this. Uh, we should have been happy, or at least, you know, folks who believe in the more liberal agenda like I do. Happy that John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock are going to be senators from Georgia and Democrats will control the Senate and $2,000 stimulus checks are probably going to go out and we could be looking at a potential public option for health care and more COVID relief. So there are good things that should have been celebrated today, but instead we're worrying about the safety of our elected officials on both sides, which is insane. When you have Mitt Romney, a conservative Republican, as angry about this as any Democrat, you, you know something is wrong. And something is definitely wrong. So I don't have the answers. I have the same anger and sadness that everyone else does. So I just wanted to bring that up real quick. And now if you need a, a distraction, we're going to be talking 2021 films and our general, genuine, uh, general silliness. Sorry, lost my, my train of my wording there. So enjoy the podcast and hopefully this is just a blip on the radar and we can find some semblance of normalcy soon. Thanks guys. Welcome to 2021, which I have now heard sounds like 2021 and I can't get it out of my head. So you're all forced to live with that. I'm Joey. It's the awards radar podcast and we're back. Say hi, Miles. Hi, Miles. And just to clarify Joey's joke there, he meant one as W-O-N, not just one again for redundancy. That is what makes it funnier. That was uh, Steve's harem. <laughs> it stays in. Yeah, leave it in. Steve, explain your dungeon situation. Oh. And say hi. I'm locked in a dungeon while my kids rule the roost. And hello. <laughs> That's a defeated man. Well, on that note of just Steve crying, we are we are talking 2021 almost entirely this today. We've got a couple of questions we'll get to. 
but we're mostly talking about films that are coming out this year, we think. Maybe. Who knows? So, before we do that, we have one question that does not concern 2021, so let's get out of the way real quick. Matt Anderson, thank you, Matt, asks, favorite performances from a comic book film? And I can save us all time and mention Heath Ledger now. And we can move on to another more interesting, not a more interesting, but see if we can, is there one that stands out to you that maybe you like more than most? Or are we all kind of on the associated, like accepted Heath Ledger's and uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s of the world? Well, I'd go old school. I'd go Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor in uh, in the Superman films, the Reeve, Reeves Superman films. Interesting. It's not a bad one. Can I go Ned Beatty then? I, I like Ned Beatty as well. Mr. Luthor. I, I watched that film as a kid and I immediately, instead of going to bed, ran to my dining room table with a pen and pencil and started drawing Superman. And I was like, I think that's about when I got hooked on movies. I think I just walked around yelling, Miss Tessmacher. Miss <laughs> Tessmacher! Uh, all right. Gene Hackman works. Miles? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different directions you could go. I want to give a special mention to Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther. Um, I want to give special mention to Tom Hardy from Dark Knight Rises. Maybe I'm in the minority there, but that performance just delights me every time I see it. Same. Um, and of course, you can't go wrong with Heath Ledger. I'm going to go with a tie, though, of uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart from Logan. I think mm. those are especially per- impressive considering sort of the length of those series and kind of the ups and downs and quality that they went through. The fact that their respective final notes are so strong and give us so many new dimensions to those characters. Um, I think it's some of the best work that either of them have ever done in X-Men or otherwise. Agreed. was hoping you did that so I didn't have to because I'm going in a very different direction. Uh, I'm going Nicolas Cage as Big Daddy in Kick-Ass. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, there, there's that's that's one of those occasions where Nicolas Cage is going crazy and having a good time, but somehow also is focused, which is usually what you do not see when he's going crazy. And I think it's because he is such a comic book nerd that he was like, oh, I'm playing Batman. This is the only time I'll ever play Batman. So I'm going to play this like I'm in a Batman movie and kind of ignore the fact that it's ridiculous and that in turn will make it ridiculous. So, you know. Nicolas Cage playing a Batman who stabs and shoots people. I'm here for it. Well, and also I kind of love that visually he's closer to the Christian Bale version, but his voice is full Adam West. Oh, yeah. He's playing every Batman is the thing. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and Chloe Grace Moretz, obviously, as Hit Girl. You know, you could possibly say that he kind of predicted the Ben Affleck version as far as shooting and stabbing people. A little bit. I, uh, yeah, that'll be the question I ask Affleck when I get him on the podcast. Is were you inspired by Nicolas Cage and Kick-Ass? I think he'd follow up by laughing, going, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, this is a ridiculous... Okay, I'm wasting my time here, so sure, why not? Well, what are you going to ask me about next, Kevin Smith? endless Batman questions, he shouldn't have said yes to the Flash movie. Yeah, true. I wonder what would annoy him more. Constant Batman questions or Kevin Smith questions? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I imagine if he was coming on this podcast, he would have had some familiarity with me, and in turn, he would have known to expect the uh, 
Kevin Smith related stuff. Though mostly it would be about how I like Jersey Girl and Chasing Amy. I think he'll be fine with it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we've got some comic book films. Let's move on, though. Robert McFarlane asks, if the Green Knight is released in the wilderness and no one is around to see it, does it actually exist? And it depends. Is there a drive-in movie theater in the wilderness? Yeah, hypothetically it could. I mean, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that one, so. I mean, I have no I mean, you know, A24 has some unconventional release strategies, so this could be one of them. I I, I mean, I, I like David Lowry. I don't really care about the premise of this one, but I'll give it a shot. I'm hoping it's weirder as opposed to, like, very much the sword and sandals type thing that it could be. Well, that's what I'm hoping for. Based on the trailer, it looks like they're going in a weirder, sort of dark, fantastical direction. Kind of reminds me of certain Guillermo del Toro type films. So I'm hoping it really leans into that. We'll see. Could go either way. I I mean, I, most of me being a David Lowry fan is due to a ghost story with the rest of his work being fine. Nothing I dislike, but nothing that like necessarily thrills me either. So that's that. Ryan McDermott has a question which actually feeds into our topic. It's uh, it's Filmaholic Faceoff from my uh, 100 movies to look forward to in 2021 list. So he uh, his tinker with it is which will be better, which allows me to participate at least. And the first one is Zola or Spiral. And uh, to remind some folks, Zola is uh, the A24... I guess comedy. I don't. It's. I. I mean. I love the the tweets, and I don't know how to describe it. It's a comedy drama type thing based on a series of tweets that um, came out in. I don't remember. I don't exactly remember when they came out. They. I want to say five, six, seven years ago at this point, and then they did a uh, a book based on the tweets, but it's. Uh, it's about so it's based on the infamous 148 tweet thread in which Zola meets a sex worker named Stephanie at a restaurant where she waitresses and they meet the two bond over pole dancing. Only a day after they exchange numbers, Stephanie invites Zola on a cross-country road trip where the goal was to make as much money as possible dancing in Florida strip clubs. Zola agrees and suddenly she's trapped in the craziest, most unexpected trip of her life, partaking in a wild two-day trip with Stephanie, her boyfriend Derek, and Stephanie's violent pimp ex. Miles, you're a uh, Florida resident. This sounds pretty realistic, right? I mean, I kind of see variations on this story happening in my backyard pretty much daily, so it'll feel really <laughs> ripped from the headlines. For someone who wants me not to invoke Kevin Spacey every five minutes, you're sure teeing me up. Well, you know, maybe I'm just hoping you'll show some restraint one of these days. You've known me for over a decade. Yeah, but, you know, never say never. Yeah, well... And for those who don't remember, Spiral, Spiral is a colon from the Book of Saw. And working in the shadow of an esteemed police veteran, Samuel L. Jackson, brash detective uh, Zeke Banks, Chris Rock, and his rookie partner, William Shank, Max Minghella, take charge of a grisly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly trapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. So, yes, the new Saw movie. What do we think is going to be better, Zola or Spiral, Miles? 
I mean, Zola definitely has the capacity to get better reviews and possibly be a minor awards darling. I can see indie spirit all over this one. Um, but I have to go with Spiral. I'm not a huge fan of the title, but I'm a diehard Saw fan, and this seems like a complete breath of fresh air. I'm so excited to see what Chris Rock's take is on it. I'm so excited that they might finally reveal what the titular city is this time, uh, because it's been some vague amalgamation city in all the other films. So finally, we might actually see where these all take place. Mm. Steve. Hmm. Well, I prefer pole dancing to be being tied to a pole, so I will go with Zola. Mm. This has been uh, Overnight with Steve. I was going to go on a much longer tangent, but I was like, let me not turn have everyone turn this podcast off two minutes in. Uh, Zola did play at Sundance and got good reviews, so that's kind of a cheat, because I know it's the better movie probably, but I'm looking forward to them almost equally. So I'll say push. Next, No Time to Die or Killers of the Flower Moon. No Time to Die is a Bond movie. We've seen the trailer. We kind of know what it's about. For those who don't know the title off the top of their head, Killers of the Flower Moon, um, which I can't guarantee will come out this year, but is a adaptation of the book of the same name and is the latest Martin Scorsese movie written by Eric Roth. It's uh, basically about the birth of the FBI. So it's based on a nonfiction book and is about murders of the uh, Osage Indian tribe and how the FBI investigated in their uh, sort of infancy. In the uh, So it's Oklahoma in the 1920s. Big oil deposits discovered beneath the land of the Osage people. They get the rights in court and uh, I believe they begin to start being murdered, which brings in the government. So we have Bond saying goodbye to Daniel Craig, and we have Scorsese making a movie that I believe again stars DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Miles? Um, so Killers of the Flower Moon is definitely an interesting case because it's the first time Scorsese's worked with both of his sort of muses. Uh, he's worked many movies with De Niro and many movies with DiCaprio, but even though they've done movies together, the three of them have never done one together. So this will be interesting on that front. However, I do resent it for forcing me to download Apple TV+, Plus, which I've been avoiding up until now. Uh, and also No Time to Die is Craig's last swing at the bat, and I'm really, really invested in this being a good one, so he can go out on a high note, so I'm going to go No Time to Die. Steve? I'm going to go Killers of the Flower Moon. Too, sounds too good to uh, to fail. Too and No Time to Die, I've kind of, <laughs> it's, not, it's not even out yet, but I'm just kind of tired of it. Huh. Just bring it to our screen somewhere, any screen at this point. What a, what a duel. A movie from 2020 that's coming out in 2021 and a 2021 release that'll probably come out in 2023. So, uh, I think the Scorsese movie will be better. Uh, I think the odds of seeing it this year are slim to none considering I do, I do not believe they've shot it yet. And God knows what'll happen once they finish production. So, that's the better movie. Hopefully there's no face swapping. Yeah. No de-aging, please. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Next up. Halloween Kills or Babylon? Halloween Kills, sequel to Halloween. Steve has thoughts on Halloween. We've done that. Um, I think it's all in the title. I believe uh, Michael Myers will uh, kill again, following where we were. Babylon, however, um, I think also another one we should not 
get uh, super attached to coming out. It uh, is the latest Damien Chazelle movie and is a movie about Hollywood. I believe uh, the sort of period Hollywood heyday of um, not sort of the haze go, but like as the movies were becoming more chaste, the, the actual interactions between movie stars and, and the industry were, were as decadent as, as possible. And uh, Margot Robbie is uh, supposedly having the lead role, replacing Emma Stone, Brad Pitt, uh, Tobey Maguire supposedly in this. And uh, yeah, the new Damien Chazelle award juggernaut in training. Uh, supposedly dated for Christmas. So, if he shoots it in time, we get it. If not, we don't. Miles? Um, I mean, I, I know, Steve, you don't, but I really enjoyed the last Halloween film. That said, the last time the series brought Jamie Lee Curtis back and sort of revitalized the franchise, the sequel to that was Halloween Resurrection, which gave us Busta Rhymes using Kung Fu on Michael Myers. So, based on that, trajectory i think i'm going to lean towards babylon and also the last time davian giselle tackled hollywood we got la la land so i'm optimistic but did buster rhymes use kung fu on ryan gosling in that movie no and it was better for it that's true steve well seeing that halloween kills could not be any worse than the last halloween film um i have a little bit of hope for it um very little but uh, Chazelle, uh, old Hollywood, sounds right up my alley again. I'll see that five times before I... Well, I'll be watching Halloween Kills. I just won't like any of it. Uh, Michael, Michael, Michael Myers. Unless there's a Halloween, a Halloween miracle. Michael Myers is planning to put something up your alley. I, I am very much looking forward to Halloween Kills. But yeah, Babylon sounds like it's number seven on my top ten of the year already. And I haven't seen it. So it's a safe bet that I will probably love that. We'll see, we shall see. All right. Next one. Judas and the Black Messiah or Blonde? Judas and the Black Messiah, though we had a whole podcast essentially on it last week. So refer back to that. I'm not doing your homework for you. Blonde, however, you may not be aware of, but you should. It is the latest movie from Andrew Dominic, who basically gets to make a movie once a decade. And is a sort of biopic, but not really, based on the uh, 2000 novel of the same name by Joyce Carol Oates. And it is about Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean at the time. Anna de Armas plays her. The cast also includes Adrian Brody, Bobby Cannavale, Julianne Nicholson, uh, and is supposedly a very sort of surreal look at her a fictionalized take on the life of Marilyn Monroe. So they get to go in all sorts of unusual directions. Plan B produced it and Andrew Dominic wrote and directed. Obviously Brad Pitt produced and uh, it's a Netflix film. So pegged as an awards contender for the next cycle. Miles. Um, I mean, this one is almost unfair. Um, I think I'm largely going off the trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah, which has me really pumped for the movie. Uh, but also, I, it seems like a very interesting story. Andrew Dominic is a filmmaker where he's interesting, but I don't know that he's made a film that I've actively loved yet. More films that I admire or can sometimes engage in, but they've, they've always got that little something holding them back. 
Um, I, I think the casting of Ana de Amaras is interesting, but um, Judas and the Black Messiah to me just seems something that's going to make way more of an impact. Steve? Uh, well, last week on the podcast, episode number 14, for those, those of you who are following, um, Keith sold me on Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, it's one of my most anticipated films of the year. So there you go. Um, I guess if if if, if uh, Anna De Armas wanted to show up and sit on our podcast, I might knock that you know blonde up to number two. But yeah, uh, be Judas. Sit on our podcast. <laughs> sit in. Sit in. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Um, I will say uh, there is a picture of Anna De Armas as Marilyn Monroe that I'm sending you guys to look at. And she does look very good as it. Like it's a very, it it very much fits a oh, wow. very slightly fictionalized take on the character. Like that looks like what a movie that has a character playing Marilyn Monroe would would look like. So I'm very intrigued. Uh, that being said, okay, I do feel like yeah. I'm gonna like Blonde more than most. But Judas the Black Messiah is probably going to be the overall better movie just because everything involved seems to be that they hit a home run, <clears throat> which is great. That's so easily a movie that could have been solid. So if it is as good as the rumors are now stating, I am I'm all about it. More if on, you look closely at this picture, you can see her sitting on our podcast. So <laughs> Steve is drawing additions to the picture. <laughs> Photoshop version coming yes, to Twitter. Yeah, coming to OnlyFans. Uh, and the last one, Ghostbusters Afterlife or Soggy Bottom? Ghostbusters Afterlife. The new Ghostbusters film sequel brings back the original cast, has children involved as well. Paul Rudd is in it. Presumably children will be the grandchildren of Egon. Jason Reitman directed. I'm all about it. Soggy Bottom. You may not know, but I probably can solve it by just saying it's the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And that should probably be good enough for a lot of you. But if you need more, he... uh, it's about a high school student becomes a famous child actor in the 70s. Cooper Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, plays the child. Bradley Cooper, the act, the singer Haim, Benny Safdie are also in the cast. And uh, yeah, that's uh, probably going to be a thing, put it that way. So, Miles? Okay, so time for just the, the quickest of rants. Um, if I were to make my own list of the top hundred films that I'm looking forward to this year, Ghostbusters Afterlife would not even make that list. I cannot express enough how little interest I have in seeing Ghostbusters but Stranger Things. I cannot express how little interest I have ever had in seeing Ghostbusters continue as a franchise. It was one great movie and literally nothing that's come from the franchise since has been even close to that. Let's just leave it alone. I... Unless it gets rave reviews, I probably won't even see it. And Soggy Bottom, even if Paul Thomas Anderson's last few films haven't exactly lived up to his earlier work, he's always a filmmaker to look out for and one of the most interesting working today. So I got to go Soggy Bottom all the way here. Editor's note, Ghostbusters 2 is a good movie. Nope. So I have, I, 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 have, uh, I have something I'm not going to do to Miles, but I could. Um Besides time to Kevin Spacey for the rest of his life now. Um, 
I suspect you, you're going to do that regardless. Of that's how true. Plays out. But you know, you did essentially dismiss uh, the Paul Feig uh, Ghostbusters movie, which which now means I could. Oh, uh, that that what that was not an accident. I know, but it, it does mean I could tie you to a certain group of people right now. Well, how would you feel about a new following on the on social media? I don't fucking care. <laughs> oh, he's willing. He's willing to take it. I'll stand by Bring it. it. Chris Hemsworth is funny in that movie. It's the only reason to watch it. Coming soon to Parlor. Miles movie reviews. <laughs> it's only a review of that Ghostbusters movie every single time because it's the only movie they care about. And oddly, Dinesh D'Souza. Steve? PTA all the way. I'm kind of on board with what Miles is saying about pretty much everything about the Ghostbusters. Uh, it, I think the sequels and everything that's followed since the original has been more kind of wishful thinking or rose-colored glasses approach to it. You know, you watch it, and Ghostbusters 2, you walk out of the theater, or, you know, whenever you watched it, and uh, the reaction was, oh, that was pretty good, but if, I don't know, I, I went back and rewatched it, and I had a very tough time. And the most recent Ghostbusters film... Again, which is I see a lot lately with the the reboots and all that, but it's like playing playing pretend, and I think this is going to fall into that uh, category of the we're we're playing dress up. It's over. Ghostbusters was what it was when it was. Move on, find something new. Ghostbusters so, PTA. Ghostbusters is amazing. Like, Ghostbusters two is solid. Go Ghostbusters answer the call. Whatever the subtitle was is fine. I. I I love the original. I love Jason Reitman. So it's high on my list, but finish your thought. Ghostbusters serial. That was good too. Mm-hmm. That was probably better than Ghostbusters two. I mean, Ecto Cooler, Ecto Cooler is better than Ghostbusters oh, yeah. two. But I've made my own by the way. And it turns out that's, pretty good. That's true. Uh, but that being said, yes, uh, Soggy Bottom is the better, going to be the better movie. I just, I'm excited yeah. for Ghostbusters and Miles upcoming collaboration with any number of sex criminals. You just you just keep playing that fiddle. Mm. Well, Rome burns. Exactly. All For right. the record, you're being recorded right now. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's 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 we've 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 established that. All right, okay. so let's uh, we're gonna go through some more of the films to look forward to this year. But I'd like uh, I actually want both of you guys to sort of follow up this uh, filmaholic uh, face off and uh, throw me some more filmahol. And give me some of the ones from the list that you would like to have uh, faced off, for lack of a better term. So one of you can be uh, Travolta, one of you can be Cage. I think I know who's who, but I'm not telling. Uh, Miles, yeah, I'd like to first? know, actually. Um, well, we can take turns, but uh, I'll go ahead and throw one out there. Uh, Dune or Eternals? So Dune Ooh, uh, being uh, the uh, adaptation of Frank Herbert's classic novel, previously adapted by Le- David Lynch, less than successfully, uh, has one of the best casts of any movie that's been made, and uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, who's shown his sci-fi credentials with Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, whereas Eternals is uh, Marvel's latest attempt to do a new team movie. Uh, also got a great cast uh, coming out to us from Chloe Zhao, who's already making headlines this year from Nomadland. Uh, so whoever wants to go first, uh, Joey. Uh, 
Eternals. I, I still think Dune is going to underwhelm. I'm looking forward to seeing it because it's one of the like biggest, most unique awards contenders of the year, and the trailer did turn me around a little bit. But I, I maintain that's a mostly unadaptable book. And uh, anytime I hear that somebody made a movie that they intend to be part one of a sequel without a sequel being greenlit, that is almost always the sign that they just did not tell the story right. So eager to be proven wrong. But uh, Eternals, I, uh, I'm, I'm here for Kumail Nanjiani as a superhero. And uh, the Same. last time I was wondering how they were going to tell a story that seemed like kind of whatever... We got Gardens of the Galaxy, so I uh, I trust Marvel. So, fifteen for Dune on my list, nineteen for Eternals, but I'm going to say Eternals will end up being the better movie. Steve, hmm, yeah, I think the the Eternals will be a better movie as well. But I am very interested in seeing what Villeneuve does with with Dune. Like you said, Nanjiani is a personal favorite, so seeing him in superhero form is great. But this is also just a great cast interesting director this is going to be like the beginning of this is like avengers 2.0 kind of right is that how this works well it's in the it's in the the new phase and and i think it's close to like guardians of the galaxy where it is a new group of heroes but they're not meant to replace the avengers but they they're going to be another it's not going to have the reach of the no i think it's supposed to be sort of a a hybrid in that they're earthbound but they're cosmic beings so they can they can kind of go as they please but we'll see Miles, what was your yeah, answer? I'll say the Eternals will be better. Yeah. Well, I think you're both crazy. Um, Dune was <laughs> my most anticipated film back when it was coming out last year. It remains my most anticipated film of this year. Uh, Denis is one of the most exciting directors working today. As far as I can see, he can do no wrong. Um Having read the book, I think splitting it into two films is definitely the smart choice just because it's so damn long and there's so damn much to it. Except and, there'll uh, never be a the, sequel. Well, there'll never be a sequel if they keep up with the HBO Max thing, but Legendary might be suing them over that. So let's let's, you know, let's wait and see. Uh, and that said, um, the last time somebody uh, did a part one without a part two greenlit, we got it. So I wouldn't count it out just yet. Uh, I'm going Dune all the way. If that Although, was meant that was meant to turn me around. All you did was solidify my position more. Well, you're crazy. Also, though, I will say Eternals is probably the Marvel film, at least for the first chunk of Phase 4, that I'm the most interested in. So I do think that'll still be great, but I've got to go Dune. Fair. Uh, Steve? going to be the better film? Did you say better, though? Not just anticipated. Mm. I mm. Well, no. Out of the Marvel movies specifically, Eternals is the one that I'm most excited for. But between Eternals and Dune, I'm going with Dune. Okay. Steve, you want you have one? Uh yeah. Uh musical versus musical. West Side Story versus In the Heights. Uh Spielberg yeah. versus uh, John M. Chu. I mean neither, if I had to be honest. Uh-huh. I uh I like Spielberg better than John M. Chu, but I, I couldn't be less interested in a remake of West Side Story. I'm sure it will be thoroughly solid. I guess in the Heights just because there could be more excitement to it, but neither has uh, has sort of floated my boat. So I'll I'll say In the Heights is better. Um, looking forward to West Side Story more, just out of sort of a uh, morbid curiosity for how they do it. And also, if we're being realistic, it'll be a lot of people's first experience with West Side Story. So I'm just curious about how that's going to sort of go. So In the Heights better movie. 
uh, on my list. I have West Side Story at 17. It'll get nominated for a bunch of things because it is it is what it is. Uh, I'm I'm sort of cool on uh, anticipation for In the Heights. I have it at 56. But like I said, probably ends up the better movie. Where do you stand on, on musicals as a whole? I enjoy them. I uh, I don't um, I don't go to Broadway very often, almost ever. So I'm rarely uh, looking forward to them out of some sort of knowledge of them. But I, I I approach them all fairly equally, unless they're directed by Tom Hooper. I I have no <laughs> I have no time for that shit. I, I I hated Les Mis, and somehow Cats was worse. It's actually kind of impressive when you think about it. I mean, they're the, the I can I could do an entire episode on cats because well, I'm sure we all could. There's so much to get into there. I mean, we have the the lack of logic, which, yes, it's a movie about singing pussycat people. But still, some of them walk on all fours. Some of them walk upright. Some of them have human appendages. Some have some don't. Some have breasts. None have nipples. That's cats would normally have. so there's there's so much going on there their size fluctuates from scene to scene i i i could and that even just goes before you get into the fact that it makes no sense and that every song is an introduction to a cat so there's no story uh yeah yeah they gave us alcohol before that screening which is a sign it probably plays better that they way. had an lsd uh yeah i helped. i wish uh, an unnamed writer colleague had so there was a uh, two screenings options time wise, and I had gone to the the second one because that morning I also saw uh, the Rise of Skywalker. So that was a hell of a morning for me. And uh, they, uh, I asked them what they thought as we were getting set to go. They gave us like cat ears and, and drink vouchers at a at a nice movie theater, a landmark. And uh, their advice was to uh, enjoy it with your substance of choice, but didn't also provide the substance. So, like, that was sort of a, an Indian giver situation. But, uh, yeah, I, I I did not imbibe on alcohol watching the movie and uh, wished for death. As you should. Yeah. All right. That was a long-winded way of, of finishing my thoughts on that. Um, Miles, talk about the musicals. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going along with the same train of thought. I could not care less about Spielberg doing West Side Story. I could live the rest of my life without seeing another version of that and be content. Um, having, not recently, but around the time it came out, um, seen Hamilton on Disney+, Plus. I'm very much, as far as musicals go, I'm definitely now attending the church of Lin-Manuel Miranda. So based on the strength of that, I would definitely go in the heights. I think it's going to be a bit more relevant and a bit more exciting and energetic whereas spielberg doing an old school musical just hard pass mm. steve um yeah i don't see what spielberg's gonna bring to west side story i i know there's a lot of issues with the original but um yeah in the heights seems as fresh most people don't know it i don't know it very well um and what i've seen Intrigues me, so I'll go, I'll go in the heights. I'll, I'll give I'll I'll throw one out uh, from lower on my list. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, or Army of the Dead. Yeah. Okay. Venom, Let There Be Carnage is the sequel to Venom. Carnage will be in it. Um, God knows what this movie is going to be. I, I I hated the first Venom. 
I was I hated seventy five to eighty percent of Venom, and and love the ridiculous comedy that was sort of unintentional throughout. So if they continue that, I'm thrilled. If not, it's gonna suck. Andy Serkis is directing, so it'll probably be visually interesting. But uh, unless they're going like hard R, I have no idea how they're doing a Venom versus Carnage movie. But we shall see. Um, Army of the Dead is Zack Snyder. So make of that what you will. But it's Zack Snyder returning to the world of zombies. And I, I will admit the premise sounds good. A group of mercenaries prod a heist on a Las Vegas casino during a zombie outbreak. Now, will it be good? Probably not. Will it be better than Venom? Probably. So, I'm at a push, but they're both, like, sort of fascinating, presumable messes. And uh, for those looking where they fall, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, number 61 on my list, and Army of the Dead, number 67. So, Miles, have at it. Um... Okay, so Venom Let Them Be Car- Let There Be Carnage just seems like a whole mess ready to happen. The last film was a whole mess. Uh, Andy Serkis directing is interesting, and there's potentially something to be said for if Tom Hardy continues to be as ridiculous and if Woody Harrelson sort of rises to his level. That said, Carnage is one of my favorite sort of Marvel comic book characters, and the second that post credit scene of Venom rolled and Woody Harrelson shows up in the sideshow Bob wig, I was just like, oof. So it's hard for me to have much excitement for that one. Whereas Army of the Dead, um, you know, maybe this isn't as hot of a take as I think it is, but I would maintain that uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake is Zack Snyder's best film. So seeing him come back to that genre is more interesting to me than him doing any fucking Snyder cut of Justice League or any other bullshit like that. And I love me some Dave Bautista. He may not have had a hit film outside of the Guardians films yet, but I do think he has the potential. So this could potentially be it. Uh, So based on those, I would definitely go Army of the Dead. Is that your way of saying My Spy is going to be in your top 10 list coming soon to Award Trader? No, I did say that he hasn't had a good one outside of Guardians. (laughs) All right. Steve? Um, It's a tough one. Uh, I didn't care for Venom all that much, but I... If I had to go back and, and watch, rewatch it, I would, which is a stupid thing to say. But what a ringing endorsement! I, I I didn't care for it, but if I was forced in some manner to view it again, I would not object in any major manner. I think I might enjoy it more the second time because I wouldn't go in with the same expectations. That's the thing. It it's you know like you said, it's got some wackiness to it. Hardy's fun. I like Michelle Williams. Um, and if I go in with the altered uh, expectations, I think I would enjoy it more. And if the sequel follows suit, if you know what you're going in for, yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, it could be, you know, at least entertaining. Zack Snyder, I am not a fan. I did like Dawn of the Dead. Actually, uh, my hot take is I think it's one of the best zombie movies out there. Um, I know mm-hmm. some people don't like fast zombies. I like fast zombies. Um, I just don't, the casino setting does not, uh, does not intrigue me at all. And also, my general feeling on Zack Snyder has uh, has soured since then. So, I will go with uh, with Carnage. Mm. I, uh, I I do still love that. If I had told you there was a movie that was coming out, this was back when Venom came out. So, uh, so Miles, Tom Hardy's gonna be in a movie, and uh, Michelle Williams gonna co-star. Oh, Sounds good, that's right? Exciting. 
Yeah. And we got R- and Riz Ahmed and Woody Harrelson are in it. Okay, okay, I'm on board. Like an Oscar movie, maybe, right? Yeah, potentially. I'd love to see what those actors do together. Oh, it's uh, it's Venom. Oh no! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my God! Best picture. I mean, it was a picture. All right, Miles, give another one. All right, yeah, I got another one lined up. Uh, Mission Impossible Seven or The Suicide Squad. Mission Impossible 7 is Shocker, the seventh film in the Mission Impossible film franchise. Tom Cruise is back, baby. Um, uh, Following all protocols. All the protocols. He's not going to go rogue even once. Don't even think about it. But if his crew does, he'll let them know. Yep. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who directed the last two films to increasingly great success. I think Fallout might be the best film in the franchise uh, between that and Ghost Protocol for me. Um, but I'm very excited to see what they do next. Supposedly, this one was going to be shot back to back with Mission Impossible 8, although I don't know if that's still happening. What with the COVID delays? Uh, and then The Suicide Squad is the film that James Gunn went and did when uh, he first got fired from Guardians 3. Um, he has said many times that it's been the best filmmaking experience of his life and it's got an incredible cast and one can only hope would be an improvement on the previous Suicide Squad film, which was a wet fart. Joey. Uh, well, yeah, it's impossible to be worse. I uh, that movie's atrocious. Um, I think it's hard not to assume Mission Impossible will be the better film, just because they're they're such a well-oiled machine now, and uh, Christopher McQuarrie has proven to be like sort of the perfect uh, filmmaker for this. It's already long for the last decade and change been Tom Cruise's sort of personal writer. So they they have a they have a mind meld that's working out. I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. I don't know what their deal is. They recast their villain. There's a whole lot of like mm, vagueness about what it's going to be about, and you know we don't know their stunt yet or any of that nonsense. So, uh, but I trust the franchise. I, I do agree. I think Fallout's the best movie. I think it's Fallout, Ghost Protocol. Then there's a there's a definite ledge, but. They're they're the the second stage of uh, Mission Impossible four five six seven have been the best of the franchise, presumably. It would be very hard for seven to be a a big fall down in quality, but we shall see. Uh, the Suicide Squad, I, I I'm very eager to see it be fun and and like sort of the 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 outrageous dirtiness that it could have filtered through the Guardians of the Galaxy vibe that James Gunn established. And also just like, who doesn't want to watch like King Shark? I, uh, that kind of thing is intriguing. And I'm sure King Shark will die like very early on because he's expensive and stupid. But who also doesn't want to watch a giant shark? He's definitely going to eat someone. Like it, it, it seems like James Gunn knows what you want out of this movie, which is a lot of violence, several of them to die. And all of them to kind of do the like signature thing that you would hope they would do. So I, I suspect that'll that'll work out. And they the people who have seen it seem very uh, high on it because they they have that like uh, John Cena prequel. Was he Stars and Stripes? Is his name is that his name? Uh, Peacemaker. 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 Who's, who's Stars and Stripes? Someone else, right? That's yeah, someone completely different. Yeah, yeah. I, whatever. Same idea. Like he's he's a Captain America who kills you essentially, right? That's his gimmick. Right, exactly. He's peace at any cost, which means he'll murder anyone it takes to achieve peace. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, I th- I think Mission Impossible be a better movie. 
I think I might enjoy Suicide Squad more if it's good. Mission Impossible comes in at 12 on my list. The Suicide Squad comes in at 24. Steve? Hmm. Um, James Gunn, Suicide Squad. Sounds hard to beat. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of hope there. After the first one, which, like you said, was a wet fart, um, this one has more promise, and I'm excited to see this. Uh, but, in general, the DC films don't tend to pan out at the same level as uh, as any of the Marvel films. Um, with when it comes to Mission Impossible, you know, I kind of get a little of the uh, been there, done that feel, and I'll watch it. I'll, I'll enjoy it. I'm just not that excited about it ever. It's when I see it, I see it, but I'm not anticipating it. I don't care all that much where the story goes, what happens, you know, to the characters. Um, so I'm going to go with Suicide Squad. All right. Although, like I said, yeah, I'll, I'll see both of these films. They both look uh, sound like a lot of fun. I just, I think, I think if you ask most people about Mission Impossible, I think you get a lot of that same uh, reaction. That how many are there? This is the eighth one you said, or seventh? Seven. Yeah, it could be the fifth. It could be the ninth. I... Fair enough. Miles, answer your own question. Um, this one is is you know pretty neck and neck for me. I'm very excited for both of them. Um, I'll probably give the edge to Suicide Squad just because I know a bit more about it. Seven, we don't really know anything about the story. We, we've seen there's been a video out of a motorcycle stunt that looks pretty impressive, but otherwise it's hard to... Uh, I'm, I'm excited for it because the franchise's general level of quality is pretty impressive, um, but it's hard to see sort of where they're going next. Um, Suicide Squad for me, you know, James Gunn clearly being given a lot of free reign, you know, a lot of crazy, colorful characters with some great actors to back them up. I'm looking forward to a lot of sort of subversion of expectations from this one. I expect that for all the actors they've announced, like half of them are going to die in the first 30 minutes. Um, uh, but it's not always necessarily going to be the ones you would expect. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I leaned more towards that. I think it's going to be big and colorful and fun, but I think they're both going to be good. Also, just a quick bit of trivia. Uh, back when Alan Moore was developing Watchmen, back when he was going, he was going to use some uh, Charlton Comics characters that DC had recently acquired um, before they told him, no, make them original characters. Peacemaker, who John Cena is playing and who's getting the spinoff, uh, was uh, the original version of The Comedian. So there you go. Interesting. Very interesting. Steve, you got another one? Let me see. What do we have here? We have Spider-Man 3 versus uh, Black Widow versus Free Guy. Versus Shang-Chi, which is making a foursome. Okay. <laughs> if we're cheating already. And, wh- just... and what a foursome it'll be. Yeah. All right. Um, Spider-Man. All, all the way for me. Um, I love the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe somewhat lukewarm on the sort of multiverse sequel they seem to be going for, which for all the money seems like, uh, Peter will go to Dr. Strange to be like, can you manipulate the world so I can, you know, have my identity a secret again. And presumably the multiverses will open up and they'll wind up in the other Spider-Men's worlds or they'll wind up in our world or whatnot, but still should be fun. John Watts, Tom Hollins, and Daya, they all have a great feel for this type of character. And they're they're enjoyable. Like they they there's they're usually somewhat I mean, Spider-Man Far From Home had higher stakes than Homecoming, but they were sort of lower stakes 
movies that commented on where they were in the scheme of the MCU. So I'm curious how this will handle that, but I'm all about it. That's number 14 on my list. Um, Black Widow number 20 on my list. I love Scarlett Johansson. I, the character is, is not like the top tier of Marvel for me. I think she's a great supporting character. I am all for her getting a, a solo mission. The prequel thing was, was nece- necessary. Um, it all just depends on what happens. I, I, you know, the trailers showed some interesting action, but I don't really know the story. So I think it'll be enjoyable. I, I have yet to sort of dislike recent Marvel movies, but I don't know that uh, quality-wise it's going to be on the level of Spider-Man. Spider-Man's 14 for me. Uh, Black Widow's 28. Free Guy is 31 for me. I, I, I think the concept is amazing. I do think it'll end up kind of being a disappointing PG-13 action movie. But the concept is phenomenal. And 36, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, I'm not a huge martial arts kung fu movie person, so I, I that element of... A superhero movie is not thrilling me in the same way, but I'm very curious how they how they tie in another aspect of superheroes to the MCU. So all the things I said for Black Widow are also true. Uh, Miles? Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I probably got to lean Spider-Man too. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Tom Holland's the best live action Spider-Man that we've had so far. Although I am interested to see sort of the bringing back of the old sort of heroes and villains. I, I kind of agree. I think it may be a little early to be doing a Spider-Verse movie. And also you can't help but compare it to the animated Spider-Verse movie, which I would argue is one of the best superhero movies that's ever been made. Um, and this time it's just, oh, we got three versions of Peter Parker. But if you're getting all the actors back, it could definitely be something interesting. Definitely not one to rule out. Um, Black Widow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to see it, but I couldn't honestly say that i'm crazy excited for it it's it's hard to be super excited now that you know we know she dies so a black widow prequel yay but no it'll probably be good um free guy i do like the concept but a lot of ryan reynolds non-deadpool work that's trying to imitate the deadpool vibe ends up feeling a little toothless um so i suspect that's what's going to happen with this one as well but i'd love to be surprised Um, I am a martial arts guy, so I'm very excited for Shang-Chi, and I think if I had seen a trailer or knew a little bit more about it, it might edge out Spider-Man, but um, since we're still a little bit in the dark on that one, I'm going to go Spider-Man. Cool. Steve, sum sum up your thoughts. Okay. I, too, like uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think it's one of the best, and I, with hopes that this reaches anywhere close to that level, I'm going to go with Spider-Man 3, but Black Widow... Again, same thing. The uh, you know you know her fate, um, but still, this cast is great. Uh, David Gilmore, is it David Gilmore? Is that his name? Uh, David Harbor. David Harbor. Sorry, not not the not the, the guitarist from Pink Floyd. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'd be very interested and, if that uh, was the casting. If <laughs> Florence Pugh um, looks great, I haven't seen anything about uh, Shang Chi. And the free guy, uh, it's one of those that it, it could be great. Uh, it's going to see how they pull it all together. It just seemed like a kind of a wild concept that may after kind of may numb you after a little while. Uh, it's going to de- determine be determined based on the, the actual story. Um, a lot of fun, but I'm going to go Spider-Man three and hopes that we have a Spider Verse even any, anywhere close. If it's if it's ninety percent of that film, we've got an all timer. Cool. Um, how many more do you guys have in you? 
that you can present? I've, I've got a few. All right, so we can keep going. Um, I'll do a couple of just silly ones so we can get mostly to yours. Uh, Jungle Cruise or Death on the Nile? 84 and 86 on my list, and I think they're both things I couldn't care less about, so I'm a push. Miles? Uh, can I say neither? You can. <laughs> zero interest in either film. Same. No, I'm Death on the Nile. I think I'm interested. No. I, I didn't mind uh, Oriented Express. Meh. And I'm looking forward to it. Fair enough. All right. Miles, you got your next list. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nightmare Alley or The French Dispatch. Nightmare Alley, latest from Guillermo del Toro with a great cast. French Dispatch, later from Wes Anderson, also with a great cast. Uh, I don't like Wes Anderson as a general rule, so I'm kind of locked into del Toro, even though I'm not a huge del Toro fan either. Um, I think it Nightmare Alley is up his alley, pun, no pun intended. So is the French Oops. Dispatch. So we'll see. I, I, I don't dislike recent Wes Anderson as much as early. Like, I can't stand Bottle Rocket and Rushmore. But um, Grand Budapest Hotel I did like more than usual, even though I know it's it's the most sort of successful of his films and then in a way his more accessible. I don't know. I, I th- I, he's at his best when he does animation for me. I think that's a better fit. For him, like I'll take more Isle of Dogs and and Fantastic Mr. Fox. So uh, I'll defer to my list where I have Nightmare Alley at twenty six and The French Dispatch at thirty three. So um, I think Nightmare Alley will slightly be the better movie. Steve, uh, I like Wes Anderson, so I'm just going to Wes Anderson. Even even though both names catch my eye, uh, Wes Anderson is a has a better batting average <clears throat> for me. So. Wes Anderson. All right. Miles, answer your question. Oh, uh, French Dispatch. French Anderson. Um, French Anderson, yeah. Um, French Stewart. Yeah. And David Gilmore. French Stewart and David Gilmore in a, in a, in a movie directed by Guillermo del Toro? I'm in. <laughs> it sounds like something, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I've always been a Guillermo del Toro fan. Um uh, you know, I love most of his work. He's he's not always on fire, but when he is, it's something incredibly memorable. Uh, this will be his first live action film after The Shape of Water, won him all those Oscars. So I think he's got a little bit something to prove. And also, this is one of his only films that doesn't appear to have too much of a supernatural aspect. So I'm interested to see how he pushes himself in that regard. Um, French Dispatch does look very good. It reminds me a lot of Grand Budapest Hotel, which I think is easily uh, Wes Anderson's best film to date. Um, although I don't disagree that he does some of his best work in animation as well. Um, but between the two, I would lean slightly more towards uh, Nightmare Alley. Cool. Uh, I'm going to throw a quick three-way out there. Horror movies, we got delayed from 2020 that already had trailers. Quiet Place Part 2, it's the sequel to a Quiet Place. Candyman, it's a remake of Candyman. And Antlers, which seems to be a Wendigo movie. Um, though if you want some summaries i can give you them we have a quiet place part two the abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they fight for survival in silence forced to venture into the unknown they realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that work beyond that lurk beyond the sand path john krasinski again directs emily blunt again stars the children are back 
it uh it was i was a day late seeing it the monday of lockdown was when my press screening was scheduled so alas there Candyman likely will follow the same plot as the original Candyman. it uh very notably had a trailer that thrilled a lot of people jordan peele produces nia DaCosta directs she uh this job got her captain marvel 2 and uh the premise here is that according to universal pictures for as long as the residents can remember, the housing projects of Chicago's Cabrini Green neighborhood were terrorized by a word-of-mouth ghost story about a supernatural killer with a hook for a hand, easily summoned by those daring to repeat his name five times into a mirror. In the present day, a decade after the last of the towers were torn down, a visual artist and his girlfriend and art gallery director moved into a luxurious loft condo in Cabrini, now gentrified beyond recognition and inhabited by upwardly mobile millennials. Well, his painting career is on the brink of stalling, a chance encounter with an old-timer exposes Anthony to the tragically horrific nature of the true story behind the Candyman. Anxious to maintain his status in the Chicago art world, he begins to explore these macabre details in his studio as fresh grists for paintings, unknowingly opening a door to a complex past that unravels his own sanity and unleashes a terrifyingly viral wave of violence that puts him on a collision course with destiny. And then if you're curious about Antlers, that one is a mysterious creature escapes from its confines to wreak bloody havoc in a small Oregon town. Scott Cooper directs, Carrie Russell, Jeff, Jeremy Plem, uh, Jesse Plemons star. All right, Miles. Um, well, it's not going to be Antlers. I'll tell you that right away. But I do feel a certain tragedy about that movie. It, it's kind of the new New Mutants in the sense that it's been delayed more times than I can count. I think, wasn't it originally supposed to come out in like March of 2019 or something like that? Uh, probably. Like, it's it's been delayed. So, like, I remember seeing trailers for this one like almost two years ago at this point. So I feel bad for it, but also if it's been delayed this many times, it's probably not because they have a hit on their hands. Um... Candyman, I was never that thrilled with the original films, but I do like a lot of the elements that are working in the new one. Obviously, Jordan Peele is definitely going to put something interesting into it. I love Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, and I'd like to see him get a nice lead role. But uh, I have to go Quiet Place Part 2. The first one was one of the better horror theatrical experiences that I've had in a very long time. It's one of the few times I can think of where, for a film as ostensibly quiet as it is the entire theater was on the edge of their seat and not saying a word there's no assholes on their phone nobody chit-chatting everyone was engaged in it and i think there's something to be said for that plus i love me some killian murphy so i'm excited to see what he brings to the dynamic yeah um my i I, for what it's worth my order is how i'll go quiet place part two is 25 Candyman was 32 still um antlers was 40 steve Uh, i don't know much about antlers uh, besides it being delayed, so again, that's off the out of the running. Uh, Quiet Place Two. I'm just concerned with it. I love the first one. Uh, like you said, I sat there. You sat there in silence, listening to silence. It's it was pretty incredible. And but I don't know what they're going to bring to this one. Um, that's going to keep keep it fresh and keep it interesting without falling into the sequel issues that sequels do. Uh, the Candyman, the animation that they used for that teaser was uh, it's beautiful and unsettling. And 
for that alone, I'm gonna go Candyman. 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 Uh oh. Shh. Well, you're two away, so you're you're okay still. Oh, is it five? Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, that was Beetlejuice. Yeah. Shit. You show, Beetlejuice showed up instead of Candyman. All right, <laughs> Steve. Next list. Hey, Michael Keaton's here. Yeah. Talking to my wife. Oh. I'll be back. Yeah. And <laughs> now Tony Todd showed uh, up. I think. Oh. <laughs> Michael Keaton and Tony Todd, quite the three way. So we have um, <laughs> the coming to America versus King Kong or Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, coming to America will be the better movie. I'm more curious to see Godzilla versus Kong just because I, I need to figure out how they get them together because I, I still don't know how that's going to work. Uh, coming to America is 42 for me. Godzilla versus Kong is 30. Miles. Uh, I'll spoil it for you. They will come together through plot contrivances and potential misunderstanding, but bond when they realize both their mothers are named Mothra. Um, <laughs> Probably. Though, though I will say, King Kong, um, excuse me, uh, the, the Kong Skull Island, takes place in the Vietnam era, and Godzilla takes place in the modern time. So I'm just curious, where has Kong been? On Skull Island, I would assume. So, so how is Godzilla getting to Skull Island? Or is Kong leaving Skull Island? Who's to say? But why would he? Also, can can apes swim? Oh, maybe maybe he gets on a boat like in the movie. Yeah, it's in a, a boat. I mean, is, here's, is there a trailer or anything for this at this point? No, no trailer. They did release some concept art which shows that in the intervening years, Kong is now much closer to Godzilla's height because I know that was an initial point of concern. So he's a baby in in Skull Island. Right. So here's what the here's the legendary Warner Brothers premise. In a time when monsters walked the earth, as we I guess as we saw in the end of uh, King of the Monsters, like there's a bunch, humanity's fight for its future sets Godzilla and Kong on a collision course that will see the two most powerful forces of nature on the planet collide in a spectacular battle for the ages. As Monarch embarks on a perilous mission into uncharted terrain on un- unearths clues to the Titans' origins. A human conspiracy threatens to wipe the creatures, both good and bad, from the face of the earth forever. So, uh, yeah, that seems to be building towards uh, Godzilla and Kong working against bad monsters and bad people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not incredibly excited about either one, but I do agree. I think Coming to America is probably going to be the better movie. Uh, and also, you know, Eddie Murphy and co are definitely sort of riding high off the success of Dolomite. So I think I'd give the edge to that one. Um, I'm curious to see Godzilla versus Kong, but I like Skull Island, but did not like either of the last two Godzilla films. So I think that knocks that one down for me. I like Godzilla. I didn't like Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, here, I'll do a quick one. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It or Malignant. So James Wan, former franchise versus James Wan, current horror movie. And uh, for those who are curious, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is The Conjuring 3. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren try to uncover the truth behind a murderer's claim of demonic possession. Uh, New director, Michael Shaves, um, takes over uh, from James Wan. And he uh, he did uh, the Curse of La Urena. We have um, returning cast for the Conjuring: Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, uh, 
And I believe the, the daughter is the same as well. And uh, actually, I will say that this, uh, this premise is interesting. If they get caught up in like a murder mystery, could be, could be down for that. And Malignant is what James Wan sort of came up with, with the you can do whatever you want. I don't know that there's a premise yet. I'm going to double check. There is none. It's based on an original story. It's an existing, it's an original thriller, not based on an IP. So you're just going off of James Wan. Annabelle Wallace, Jake Abel, uh, McKenna Grace are in the cast. So thriller versus horror. Uh, I am more looking forward to The Conjuring. I like that franchise. comes at a 47. Malignant comes at a 63 for me, though I do think Malignant will be the better movie. Miles? Uh, yeah, I like both of the first two Conjuring films, but I've been very uninterested in sort of quote-unquote cinematic universe that spawned from it. Um, Not a big Annabelle fan? Given the choice between... <sighs> If given the choice between uh, James Bond or James Bond, James Wan series that uh, he's no longer directing versus new James Wan movie, I think I have to go towards new James Wan movie. The fact that he's gone from two back to back giant blockbusters to now doing a smaller film that's probably a lot closer to his roots. I think that's just more interesting to me. So I'm going to go malignant. All right, Steve. Uh, Malignant. James Wan. I'd rather have something fresh. Uh, the Conjuring, the first one was great. Second one was, you know, uh, the results weren't as as uh, as up there. Um, the and Annabelle films, I just, I don't get those. Um, so let's go fresh. James Wan, please. Right. Who's next? Uh, I'll throw one out there. Uh, Last night in Soho or Cherry. So, Last Night in Soho, new film from Edgar Wright, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, supposed to have shades of Don't Look Now, some sort of time travel plot. Uh, And then Cherry, new film from the Russo Brothers, uh, starring Tom Holland as a drug-addicted soldier, or veteran, I should say. Joe? Uh, Last Night in Soho is 23 for me. Cherry's 27. I hear Cherry is very good. Uh, I'm going to go with Last Night in Soho, just because... I, I like I, I I didn't love Baby Driver, but I like almost everything Edgar Wright does. I think Baby Driver and Hot Fuzz I like less than the average person. Uh, Scott Pilgrim I like quite a bit more than the average person. Uh, this one sounds like it's a modern woman transported into like sixties era Soho with some sort of horror vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, could be could be phenomenal. So I'm very curious to see him getting a little a little meaner with his stuff. Um, Edgar Wright obviously uh, worked with uh, one of Miles's colleagues. God, <laughs> you brought it up. I couldn't help it. Not a colleague. <laughs> Very clear. Not a colleague. <laughs> a, more of an acquaintance. I don't know why you're so persistent to put me in the same room with sex offenders, but you do you. I mean, listen. I'm trying to give a little fun to your life. Listen, you are you are way too old for Kevin Spacey. That sounds odd. <laughs> it's a bit off there. All right, off more than he could chew. There, try a board game. <laughs> I think there's better options than sex offenders. I I'm now envisioning uh, what's the movie where you play chess with death? Seventh uh, Seal, right? Yeah. Miles plays uh, Monopoly with Kevin Spacey. Oh great! 
All right, which one do you like better? I'm going Last Night in Soho. Um, I like Edgar Wright. Uh, Anna Taylor-Joy is in there. Um, Matt Smith, you got one of the doctors. That alone, I'm going. But you know, Edgar Wright is is a great track record, and this sounds like something a little, uh, something fresh for him. So excited to see it. Miles? Uh, I am very interested in Cherry, and I'm interested in Tom Holland pushing himself as an actor, so I'll definitely be keeping my eye on that one. But yep. I love horror. I love Edgar Wright. I love good directors trying new things. It's got to be Last Night in Soho. Cool. Uh, I can't figure out the theme for another one, so I'm just going to come up with two of them. And we have The Tomorrow War. And we have... I lost the one I wanted. Hang on. Uh, Don't Worry, Darling. So the Tomorrow War, a man is drafted to fight in a war where the fate of humanity rests on his ability to confront his past, and it seems to be uh, that people from throughout history are recruited for a war in the future, uh, which is a kind of cool premise. Uh, Chris Pratt, Betty Gilpin, they're both in it. Uh, who else? There is Sam Richardson, J.K. Simmons. Uh, a number of other like very sort of uh, comedy themed actors in an action movie, which I like. Um, Mike Mitchell, co-host of the Doughboys podcast, has a has a role in it. Chris McKay, who did um, uh, one of my I'm spacing on the name uh, Lego Batman movie, mm-hmm. directs so live action film from him. That's a summer release, so I'm, I, that could be uh, that could be interesting. Comes in at number fifty on my list. And Don't Worry Darling comes in at number 43 on my list. That, of course, is the second directorial feature from Olivia Wilde. And uh, is uh, sort of a period psychological horror film uh, shot by Matt, uh, Matthew Libetique, Um Written by Katie Silberman, who's an up-and-coming sort of comedy slash um, screenplay writer in general. She is one of the writers on Booksmart. She wrote the Netflix rom-com Set It Up. This one stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles replacing Shia LaBeouf, fired under uh, Olivia Wilde's no-asshole policy. Uh, Olivia Wilde is in the movie. uh, Gemma Chan, Kiki Lane, Chris Pine. Film revolves around a housewife in the 50s, and its ensemble cast involves the following people. Uh, An unhappy housewife in the 1950s discovers a disturbing truth while her loving husband hides a dark secret. So, uh, Miles. Uh, Booksmart was incredible. That sounds like a great cast and a really interesting premise. Um, so, uh, I think I'll lean towards, don't worry, darling tomorrow war definitely sounds like an interesting premise. Um, Chris McKay directing in live action for the first time could really go either way. Chris Pratt is an actor. I've become less infatuated with as the years have gone on, but it could still be interesting, but I think don't worry, darling will be the better movie. All right, Steve. Well, I think the headline here is that Shia LaBeouf is available for uh, miles upcoming film. Oh, <laughs> schedule just opened. Well, if I need any Latino characters, I'll be sure to give them a call. There you go. <laughs> or someone to do some unnecessary surgery on themselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Olivia Wilde's work in Booksmart was fantastic. Uh, unexpected. And I'm going to go with Don't Worry, Darling. All right. 
Although I'm not sold on, on Harry Styles. That's, you know, I, I, you prefer he's a replacement. You prefer shave styles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. Mm. All, all natural. Ah, yeah. No. Uh, all right. Uh, Steve, give another one. Or are right. you out? Or are well, you out? I have one of the films ready. Okay. Well, give me a, give me a film and I'm going to throw a second one at you if you want. All right. I'm curious where you guys stand. Uh, well, tell me the first film and I'll pair it. How about that? The Many Saints of Newark. All right. Uh, prequel. What can we pair that with? Uh, let's pair that with a sequel. The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. God. Um, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard comes in at 91 for me. <laughs> and The Many Saints Newer comes in at 59. I was not a uh, frequent Sopranos viewer, but I'm curious. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that will be the better movie just by, you know, facts. But I'm curious to see that one. I'm looking into The Hitman's Wife's body- Bodyguard. It's a sequel to the, the The Hitman's Bodyguard. The Hitman's Bodyguard. Which wasn't terrible, I will say. It was not great, but uh, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, they had a good time. Salma Hayek. It was a very stock action movie. I watched, That's not my... I, I watched it on a plane, and it was thoroughly acceptable for plane viewing. You know, yeah, planes, the, uh, the, the pressurization of the cabins makes you uh, add a half star to every film. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of the Sopranos. I'm very involved in the ending. I know some people say it's not the point and move on, but um, I've discussed the final three minutes of that show for as, endless hours. As recently as yesterday. In fact, it's a problem. I don't know. <laughs> I love this idea that he, I know, my that, wife keeps saying, shut up. Happy New Just Year. Pass, and he goes, pass the milk. She goes, Happy New Year. She turns to give him a kiss and he starts filibustering about, uh, no, he's alive. I'm telling you, it wasn't a fade to black. It was cut to black. Pay attention. She hits him with the champagne bottle. Anticipating, I'm, I'm hoping they throw a little bit in there and they answer some questions and it can, you know, shut up some friends, family. and You, uh, you want to find out how he got the name Big Pussy, right? That's that's what I was hoping for. You know, but no, so I, I think just in general, David Chase is involved. I'm interested in seeing anything else, uh, Sopranos. And the other film does not appeal to me in the least. So, Miles? I don't have a ton of interest in either film. Um, I, I, I never really watched The Sopranos, so I don't have any kind of opinion on it. I've heard it's great. I know it's it's been on my list for a while. Um, just based on the pedigree behind them, I have to imagine Many States of Newark is going to be a better movie. So I'll give it that one, but I don't have a strong opinion either way. All right. What's your next one? Well, that was a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said it was your last one, so we went out with a whimper. Miles, how many more do you have? All right, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll give one more, and let's go in a slightly different direction. Space Jam: A New Legacy, or Raya and the Last Dragon, new Disney animated film sequel to Space Jam. I mean, I do love Space Jam, but I I, I don't need to see another one. Like I. I'm confused about what the premise is going to be. Um, I mean, I know I, I know what the premise is going to be, that the Looney Tunes will recruit LeBron James to play a basketball game. I'm 
I'm aware of how the Space Jam franchise works, but uh, I'm I'm more curious. Like, why why would they come? Like, what, what, I I don't. Know. I have questions. <laughs> you can tell by my my stuttering puzzlement. Um, oh wait, there is a premise. Oh God. Oh, I'm reading this premise. Oh, oh no. You're hearing you're hearing my reaction in real time. Yeah, I've read right. this premise. I'm excited to see what you think about it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, when basketball champion and global icon Robin James and his young son Dom, who dreams of being a video game developer, are trapped in a digital space by a rogue AI, G-Rhythm, LeBron must get them home safely by leading Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Lola Bunny, and the whole gang of notoriously undisciplined Looney Tunes to victory over the AIG's digitized champions on the court. Oh, God. They're playing a video game, basketball game. So, so uh, Don Cheadle playing Al G-Rhythm. Algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And remember how they had, um, like, you know, crossover, like, legends of the game NBA players in the, in the first one, where even if you didn't play basketball or watch basketball or know about basketball you're like oh charles barkley i know that guy uh their nba players this time around are clay thompson anthony davis damian lillard peter cornell i've never heard of chris paul and kyle kuzma and some WNBA players which is kind of cool um but yeah do i not care like i certainly want to enjoy space jam but i i i this 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 is this is going to be gonna be bad right it's gonna be bad <laughs> this sounds bad <laughs> it's gonna be I bad like this the first space jam and this one just sounds like warner brothers trying to make looney tunes relevant again I, I, and, uh, in order to sell some merch i will say the first one for being a product placement and absolute lunacy does have one of my favorite lines almost of all time when bill murray shows up in space jam not in the movie but in the like actual game because apparently he can just randomly go become uh, into Tune Land, and the uh, the bad like monster like manager dude goes, whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this movie. <laughs> I was like, that's 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 a surprisingly clever line. Um, but yeah, Ray and the Last Dragon, I believe. Um, is it? It's not hand drawn, is it? Or is it? Is it the last hand? No, it's another. It's Nothing. another CG one. Uh, yeah, it yes. just it looks hand drawn, and I, I couldn't tell you what it's about, but I'm sure it will be lovely and well animated, and be nominated for uh, best animated feature, and and lose to uh, Pixar's uh, Luca, if I had to guess, which also doesn't have a wild a wildly great premise. Luca, the one with the like uh, Italian kid and his friend who's like a sea monster or something like that, but who's to say? Uh, though I am, I am, I am, I'm, I'm very solid in saying that Space Jam will be bad. Uh, Ray is my number 96, just because I uh, don't have a good reason. <laughs> and Space Jam 2 is my 79, because goddamn, am I curious? But in terms of the list, like uh, Space Jam 2 will probably be the worst movie on the list, give or take, uh, I don't know, Chaos Walking, if it ever comes out. Uh, Steve, continue. As I as I collect my thoughts based on my like utter puzzlement at that fuck algorithm oh, oh. 
<laughs> oh, my brain broke. Ray looks great. You know, the visual from what I've seen. Are there is there anything more than uh, are there anything more than stills out there, or is there's, there a there, full trailer? There's a trailer. Oh, is there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like I said, I don't like Space Jam. I think I did see it on a flight, and I gave it a half a star. So, fair enough. Uh, Miles, Call back. Um, I, I'm kind of delighted about what I've created here. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I grew up with Space Jam. It holds a special place in my heart. If you watch it now as an adult, it is absolute lunacy, but in a kind of fascinating way. Um. I think Raya and the Last Dragon will probably be the better movie because Disney animation doesn't tend to produce too many flops. Um, but I'm more curious to see Space Jam because even if it's a mess, it's almost definitely going to be an interesting mess. And sometimes an interesting mess is more fun to watch than a competent film. So in spite of all logic, I'm going to go with Space Jam. And uh, you know what? We can wrap up on... Uh... Movies I'm not convinced exist. The Woman in the Window or Chaos Walking. <laughs> you think uh, they just shot the trailers and left it at that? I mean, they're, they're certainly in no hurry to show it to anyone. Uh, the Woman in the Window um, has had one of the more wild uh, vacillations in, in recent cinema history. Uh, based on a uh, popular beach read, which is always how you want to uh, you know adapt your high-profile awards players. Uh, directed by Joe Wright, written by Tracy Letts, based on a 2018 novel of the same name on, by an author who uses a pseudonym. So we uh, don't know the author's name. I don't know. I don't care enough to look it up. Uh, the film stars Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, Wyatt Russell, Brian Tyree Henry, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Julianne Moore. And Netflix bought it and has no intention of showing it to you anytime soon, which is another wild thing. Schedule will be released on their service, 20th Century Fox, then 20th Century Studios. Uh, it was supposed to be a October 2019 release. So, yes, 2019. Then was delayed to May of 2020 due to re-editings after test screenings when audiences uh, loathed the film. Um, I believe even Tracy Letts was like, uh, they didn't get it, and the ending was kind of sucked, and they rewrote it, and now I don't know what the hell's going on with it. The premise is an agoraphobic psychologist, Amy Adams, befriends a neighbor across the street from her New York City brownstone condo, only to see her own life turned upside down when a woman disappears and she suspects foul play. Uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't. Uh, it's going to be bad. It's bad. I'm sure it's going to be bad. It wouldn't have been two years delayed if it wasn't bad. And uh, Chaos Walking, I believe, was made in uh, 1996 <laughs> based on the uh, 2008 book by Patrick Ness who wrote the screenplay with Christopher Ford who um, I believe his credits are uh, Robot and Frank and yeah no Robot and Frank I think is his big one Doug Lyman directed cast includes Daisy Ridley Tom Holland Mads Mikkelsen Demi Bashir, Cynthia Revo, Nick Jonas David Oyelowo so uh, there's a lot of talent in a $100 million movie that supposedly is coming out on March 5th. Um, by the way, this movie was announced as going to production in 2011. So my joke was not as far off as you would think. Uh, here, announced in 2011, the film has undergone several rewrites from a first script draft written by Charlie Kaufman, which adds a whole other level to this, with Jamie Linden, John Lee Hancock, 
Gary Spinelli, Lindsay Beer, Christopher Ward, and Patrick Ness revising the screenplay further. Doug Lyman came aboard in 2016, with principal photography fully started and finished in 2017, originally set to be released March 1st of 2019. It was removed from the schedule to accommodate the film's reshoots in April of 2019, following poor test screenings from audiences. It is scheduled to be released on March 5th, though I believe it's possible that that was removed already. Um, I don't remember. I believe that was the current move. I think it went from January 22nd to March, and I don't remember if it moved again. Uh, For those who want to know what this mess is about in the not-too-distant future, Todd Hewitt, which I think is what Tom Holland calls himself when he checks into a hotel, also the character he's playing, discovers Viola, Daisy Ridley. Did they just use, like, similar-sounding names? Like, Tom, Todd, Daisy, Viola, like, Violet... I'm getting mad again. Um, a mysterious girl who crashed lands on... Okay. Fuck, I'm getting, I'm getting like upset as I read this. Okay. In the not-too-distant future, Todd discovers Viola, a mysterious girl who crashed lands on his planet where all the women have disappeared and the men are afflicted by the noise. Not the Noid, which would be a better movie. But the noise, a force that puts all their thoughts on display. In this dangerous landscape, Viola's life is threatened... And as Todd vows to protect her, he will have to discover his own inner power and unlock the planet's dark secrets. So this is reverse what women want, right? Their thoughts are on display. So instead of being able to hear what women think, women can hear what men think in a sci-fi planet in the future where bad things happen. I'm going to go kill myself. So you guys talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) And for what it's worth, um, on my list, uh, Chaos Walking is number 100 because I promised to have 100 movies on this list. And The Woman on the Window is 87. Um, and and if I re- recall, do both of these have Gary Oldman in them? I don't no. think Chaos Walking does. No. Okay, Gary Oldman said no to something. That's good. But uh, fuck, they're both terrible, I assume. All right, Miles, go ahead. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's Hollywood's worst kept secret that both these movies are going to be terrible. Um, I think it was clear. I just don't even know. I I can see just from a broad overview of the original premise why they would bring Charlie Kaufman in to work on Chaos Walking. But it sounds like whatever influence he may have had on the script has been overwritten numerous times at this point. I think he sort of made it clear. He was like, they offered me a bunch of money and I was bored and needed a job. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't know why you want me, but all right, I'll cash check. And God Um, bless him. God bless him. I, I mean, if it's between an overblown sci-fi premise with decent actors versus, uh, you know, a few years too late following up on the airport novel reading trend that girl in the train, I thought it killed off girl in the train girl who walked the train. What was the fucking Emily Blunt movie called the girl on the train, the girl on the girl train. On the train yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. there's just uh, I think so finish your thoughts. Cause I have a, I have a, I have an idea. Finish your thoughts. I've, yeah. I've come so up so it's clearly from that same sort of sub genre that, you know, David Fincher nailed with Girl the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl and nobody else has done a good version of. Um, so given the choice between the two, I give the slight edge to Chaos Walking. They're both going to be messes, but Chaos Walking might be a slightly more interesting mess. All right, Steve. 
I think it's amazing when you look at the, the list of talent involved and the money thrown at them to make two films that show up in the uh, the bottom quarter of your list. Um, not even Gary the, Oldman coming. Yeah, not even the annals of history, but straight up the annals. <laughs> uh, Gary Oldman coming off a, a Academy Award, and they still are pushing this back further and further is a, a terrible, terrible I mean, sign. I, I will also say, uh, lest we, we, we give Gary Oldman too much of a pass, he uh, he doesn't say no to much. For someone who who seems like he would be an in demand like prestige actor, if you look at his uh, his filmography, he uh, at least once a year is in something where you're like, "Were you hungry?" Well, didn't he do that movie about the haunted boat or something like that not too long ago? Yeah, so here, the last few years. <laughs> so here, let's 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 backtrack a little bit. So his only current release is "The Woman in the Window" and something called "Crisis." Uh, that's a Nicholas Jarecki movie with uh, Army Hammer. It's about um, the opioid epidemic. So that could be like a good movie for this year. Though um, it's supposed to come out in February, so maybe not. Whoops. Did I just do that? Yeah, Quiver Distribution. Oh, never mind. This is not good. Nothing about the. Uh, it's a great cast, but it seems to be a uh, like a what would be a direct video thing. So whoops, that proves my point. Um, but yeah, so look at his 2019 output. Sure. He, he shot Mank, but he did the courier, which he, uh, co-stars with Olga Kirilenko and, uh, Dermot Moroni on the cat on the, uh, top billing. He's a uh, pizza money. Yeah. He's a feared arms dealer, Ezekiel Mannings. And he's finally been captured. And he's on house arrest while he conducts business with his daughter doing the thing. And then, like, the I don't know, they have to go to, like, court or something for testimony. And I assume he's, uh, like, attacked. I don't know. This is the entire premise, and it sounds terrible. Uh, he was in the laundromat with that ridiculous accent, him and uh, oh yeah, that was um, uh, um, Antonio Banderas. Uh, that was, I guess, his good movie, even though it was not good. He was in a, a horror movie, Mary. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yep, the that's The Haunted Boat. And then he was also in Killers Anonymous, which was so anonymous no one saw it. So, yeah, let's not uh, pretend he says no to things. Because his 2018 was Hunter Hunter and something called Tau. And even when he did Darkest Hour, he was also the villain in The Hitman's Bodyguard and in The Space Between Us. So, yeah. Still, you look at the cast, Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Gary Oldman, Tracy Letts, and you say, I want to see that film. And then and Netflix says, no, you can't. We're, trust us. We have paid for you to not be able to see it. Yeah. Here's a, here's a trailer. Please watch this and go away. Uh, all right. Here's our, here's our game as we wrap up. Craft the next Beach Read movie. But it has to be the same title. So it has to be the something with the something or on the something or in the something. Like, uh, I don't know, like the, the cuck on the scooter. Miles? Uh, the Lady in the Fridge. It's a woman who mm. uh, accidentally gets locked into a fridge and slowly freezes to death, but has to find her way out buried style. All right, Steve? I'm not ready for this. <laughs> the Woman on the Podcast. What's it about? It's uh, about a woman playing Marilyn Monroe who sits on our podcast all right uh i got one 
the and lady she has to bear she has to she has to dig herself out like buried i mean the cuck on the scooter we know what that one's about it's a remake um but i've got one the lady in the water <laughs> i i so here's what i think it's gonna be about um there's a there's like a superintendent in philadelphia this apartment complex and he uh he discovers a woman in the swimming pool and she's like a like a mermaid but not quite and there's a dude who's gonna write something that's gonna save the world and there's like a bad thing that happens and uh it's all a dream and i i need 70 million dollars to make it and when it's all said and done you're wishing people saw dead people or a kid saw dead people Mm, for sure and i and i definitely um i can't imagine much of the cast but i know i need bob balaban (laughs) this will never get made right you would think you can go and stop it and this was my be mean m night Shyamalan moment for some reason what has he ever done to deserve that oh yeah those movies all right and on that sour grapes note we can uh we can close up shop uh miles say where they can find you and um give a movie that we didn't mention on the list that you're looking forward to and and one more beach read why not one more beach read oh god okay uh it's mad libs it's not hard it's true uh, so, uh, I'm Miles Hughes. You can find me on Twitter at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. You can also find me on Instagram at Marvelous Miles, although I never check it. Please check out my short film, American Exorcist. Uh, it's on YouTube. And, uh, let's see. I'm looking for a film we didn't talk about. It's a couple I'm surprised you haven't mentioned. I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, The Matrix Four. I'm I'm curious to see what they do with it. Fair enough. Yeah, I I'm and I'm very uh, I'm very curious as well because I don't know how they possibly can tell a, another story. And I'm baffled by the fact that one of the only actors they didn't bring back is one of the only ones that's still alive at the end of the last movie. Apparently, Lawrence Fishburne wasn't even asked. Isn't Isn't Agent Smith also not in it? Yeah, well, apparently they did negotiate with him to do it, but then there was some scheduling conflicts and it just didn't work out. So there was an idea to have him in it at one point, so I have no idea what they're doing. Name. And also from set photos, it looks like Keanu still has the John Wick hair, which is just going to confuse the issue even more. Maybe. But we'll All see. Right. We'll see. It's got, it's got some of the people who worked on the other films. Some of, yeah. All right, and um, another beach read. Beach read um, uh, the uh, the the girl in the TV. It's about a girl who's literally stuck inside a TV. Uh, whoever's watching thinks that she's a character on the show, but she's actually a person who's stuck there. He can't change the channel, and she has to figure out a way to get back into the real world. Is this is a romantic. This is a romantic comedy, right? Yeah, a guy falls in love with a girl in his TV. It's her all over again. It's a, it's the, it's a Netflix movie. It's Zoe Deutsch and um, Glenn, uh, Glenn Powell. It's their reuniting after set it up. There you go. There we go. We cast it. Steve. Okay, let's go with uh, the film. What is it called? The uh, the King's Men. All right. The second. What was it called? The Golden Circle. 
the golden circle was such a letdown, but this looks like they're going to breathe some new life into it uh, because they definitely, it seems like they want to really build this franchise. So I have high hopes for it. When it comes to a beach read, how about the, the woman and the hitman's wife's bodyguard? Mm. There's a woman and she is dueling Gary Oldman's fighting for pizza money. <laughs> All right. And where can I follow you? Uh, you can follow me uh, at Film Snork on Twitter. All right. Uh, I also am going to uh, do a crossover for my beach read, and it's going to be called The Deadpool's Pornography. It's going to just like hit every every genre we can possibly have. Oddly, Ryan Reynolds is on board. And so is Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be in it. Um, Miles attached to direct. Oh, Ooh, thanks. Sounds nice. Listen, I didn't cast anyone you have a problem with yet. Suddenly you're a picky director to work no, with. No, you just... No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one over any of the other ideas so far. You're going to get a label. You're going to get the difficult label. All right, you can follow me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, the one other movie I'll throw out is Deep Water, the uh, new Adrian Line erotic thriller. We haven't had an erotic thriller in a while, really, since he made the last one. And uh, Adrian Lyne is sort of the man who does it. Um, it's the director behind uh, Fox's Fatal Attraction. There's an example of one. Nine and a half weeks, Flashdance, Indecent Proposal, Jacob's Ladder, and most uh, applicably for this, Unfaithful. Arguably the last true erotic thriller. And this one's uh, premise is a well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of her lovers. This one comes from a um, a book. It's a uh, Patricia Highsmith novel from 1957. The screenplay is written by Zach Helm and Sam Levinson. Zach Helm, of course... Um, the writer of uh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, possibly uh, more notably, um, believe he did. Uh, it was, uh, uh, what the hell Stranger is it called? Stranger than Fiction. Yep. I don't know why I had a stroke on that on that on that name. Uh, and uh, Sam Levinson, obviously now best known for Euphoria, but also did um, Assassination Nation. And the cast here. Ben Affleck, Anna de Armas. It's the movie they apparently uh, fell in love on. So they're going to go at it in the movie. There's always an extra curiosity when when cast members have fake sex and then have real sex as well. So we'll see if that translates. Tracy Letts shows up in this. Rachel Blanchard, uh, Lil Rel Howery, Finn Wittrock, uh, Dash, Dash Mahawk. And uh, I... I I'm wildly interested in this movie. It was supposed to come out last year in uh, Prime Award season, November 13th, and now it's coming out August 13th. So they're positioning it as a uh, summer movie instead. And it's a 20th century release, which means Disney is putting out some smut, and I am here for it. And on that note, we are done. So uh, from Awards Radar, here's to 2011 being a uh, better year as opposed to the uh, dumpster fire that 2020 was, and that uh, that most of these movies actually come out, because uh, 
a disturbing amount of this list was a repeat from my list in 2020. So for Ward's Raider, I'm Joey with Miles and Steve. We will uh, talk to you next week. And I believe we have another guest lined up. So look forward to that. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Cheers.